Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. If you haven't done so already, please smash that like button for this podcast. Leave like a five or six or seven star review, you know, ten if possible. And, and while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe, and then that way you get first dibs whenever a new episode is released. So last week we heard from Dave Nordell. If you didn't catch that one, go check it out. It's quite a bit longer than most of my casts, but there's a ton of good stuff in there. We even talked about kangaroos a little bit. So this week we're going to turn our focus to boundaries. Setting boundaries, why they're important, a little bit on how to instill them and understanding them in kids. Both those that are left of normal and the normie child children out there. So there's a handful of things to address with these boundaries. I'm going to try to work my way through them in as logical a manner as possible. Hopefully things don't get too scattered, and hopefully I don't lose you along the way. If I do, you know, just daydream of puppy dogs or something. So let's start out by defining what these boundaries actually mean. Boundaries in this sense are not the edge of one's property, generally marked out with a surveying pen. Instead, boundaries are little means of self-care. When we set them, we are defining where we are comfortable and what we expect other people to do when they're interacting with us. So as, as I was prepping for this episode, I read the chapter in Sarah Beth Wald's new book, Redefining Love. I highly recommend this book, brilliant insights, and the chapter on boundaries really puts into words some of the concepts that I wanted to portray here, but I didn't know the exact words for them. I'm going to read a paragraph from that chapter, but I'm not going to get into much more detail because you really need to just go get this book for yourself. So she writes, setting boundaries is so much more than simply saying no occasionally. Setting boundaries involves digging deep to identify who you are and what you believe in, and then establishing a protective barrier between yourself and others to the degree you feel necessary for your mental and emotional well-being. I'm going to add on to that just a little bit. Boundaries can be very simple, like saying no occasionally or no touchy, or they can be quite complex, like I need to be alone between the hours of 2 and 4 p.m. As, as I recover from my 1 to 2 p.m. meeting that absolutely drains me. And if you bother me during those hours, I will be irritable and I'll probably say very mean things to you. They will absolutely be true things that I say, and they're necessary for you to hear, but they won't be said in a kind and loving manner, and thus our friendship or relationship will be ruined because you failed re to respect my boundaries. Now, as a left of normal... Boundaries can actually be a bit confusing, both setting them for myself and seeing, acknowledging, and respecting the boundaries in others. First, I'll talk about my own boundaries. Now, because growing up and through the vast majority of my life, I have had it instilled in me that you should always please people and do everything you can not to irritate or annoy others, setting my own boundaries has always been very difficult. Somebody asks something of me, 
and I bend over backward to try to make sure they are well taken care of, or at least put into the proper hands of somebody who can take care of them. Whether it's something I have the capacity to do or not, it has been told to me that you just do it. So part of that is personality. Uh, part is an attitude of service that uh, I developed while I was growing up. Now, since social interactions can be a bit tedious, serving other people was always a better way for me to show love. Quality time is difficult, but doing acts of service, not so much. In fact, it's usually rather enjoyable to serve somebody else and do stuff for other people. So for a long time, my own boundaries were never really established, as I would always be saying yes to requests out of fear that I know would upset or hurt the other person. That was fine for most of life. However, it did spill over into my business when I was first getting started. And instead of setting those boundaries and risking cheesing off clients or potential clients, I gave away far too much of my time. The result was generally good, but there were a number of times where nobody respected the boundaries that I didn't really set, and I ended up getting burned a number of times. Burned, I mean, I did work for clients and never got paid for it. So I realized I had to set firmer boundaries, and if the prospect or client didn't like the fact that, yeah, you're paying up front because I can't afford to do all this work and you don't like it, and so you just don't pay me. If that's their attitude, you know, they don't want to pay up front, they don't want to respect these boundaries, then it has gotten to the point where I don't need that business, so we shouldn't be working together. For my own personal boundaries to to set them, to establish them, much of it, uh, I had to learn it the hard way. I ended up getting walked on and realized that that's where I need to get the boundary set up so I don't get trampled over and I got to take care of me. So it was a lot of trial and error of not having the boundaries and then realizing that life kind of sucks when people just walk all over you. So I had to start setting those boundaries. Now, the boundaries in other people are confusing. Uh, they're, uh, you can't see them. And a lot of times people don't articulate them very well. So you can't see them and you, they're not really told to you. So how do you acknowledge or respect them? And generally what ends up happening is just social blunders uh, at the best and ruined relationships at the worst. This comes out uh, mo in most situations because people just, they don't know, or they maybe they're just like me. They don't want to irritate anybody, so they don't explicitly say what those rules, what those boundaries are. So... I'm trying to think of examples, and it generally comes across like when somebody doesn't want to be bothered or doesn't want to be around, but they're not saying it. So me bumbling along, I just stay put and 
overstay my welcome. They want me to leave, I don't pick up on the cues, and I think everyone's enjoying their time together. Most of this was younger me. Now I just tend to avoid most people all the time, and that makes it a whole lot easier to not overstay your welcome when you don't actually go anywhere. So with children, though, this this whole boundaries thing is even more confusing because these seem like arbitrary rules that really have no meaning behind them. For those who are on the spectrum, rules are generally seen as something that enhances life or makes things easier. They have meaning, and if they're just arbitrary rules that don't have meaning, it's just the way we do things, that makes it really hard to actually follow those rules because there might be a better way to do something. So, for example, running by the pool. If that rule was there merely because the lifeguard didn't like people who ran, it wouldn't have meaning. And so as a child, I wanted to get from point A to point B faster, so I generally ran everywhere. But the no running by the pool is designed to minimize the risks of slipping and falling and cracking your noggin open. So when there's a purpose behind the rule, it makes the rule tangible, in a sense, and much easier to follow. So if you have a left of normal child, they might struggle to follow some of the rules or boundaries that you have set. This is especially true when they're very young and they haven't quite developed their reasoning skills. When Holden was little, maybe around two-ish, we would gather together for Bible study with a few other families once a week. There are lots of kids around the same age, from a couple of years younger than Holden was to a couple of years older. And instead of playing with the other kids, Holden wanted to sit on Jessica's lap. It wasn't like a really big issue, and it was generally just easier to accommodate him and let him sit on the lap than it was to try and get him to play with the other kids and then he wouldn't play with them or he'd throw something and it was all just unsuccessful. But there's really no way you can reason with a two-year-old and explain what the boundaries are and why we need to follow them, especially when they're more convoluted than don't run next to the pool or you might slip and fall and hit your noggin. Sitting on a lap during Bible study, you know, there's multiple factors that play here. One that you just don't want a child sitting on your lap all the time. Others, you need to learn to play nice. Others, it's harder to concentrate, etc., etc., and so on and so forth. Now, these concepts go with playing with other kids as well. Child to child boundaries, not child to adult boundaries. Most kids are just absolutely terrible at verbalizing their boundaries. Uh, instead, they just scream and yell when those boundaries have been crossed, even though you didn't know that the boundary was there. So, children to children, instead of saying, I would appreciate it, or this is where my boundary is, they, the other child just repeatedly crosses them, and then the one who's having their boundaries broken just does mean things. They make fun of you, call you names, talk bad behind your back, it, and all that fun stuff that goes along with growing up. So when Holden was getting older, uh, and he could understand some of these boundaries, he just didn't, it became clear that these they weren't established with the other kids. They, these 
kids had their own boundaries. They wanted their boundaries respected, but they didn't fully verbalize them as kids don't do. So when he's goofing off at soccer, it affects it affects the entire team. And at least one of the other players who was more focused on the game didn't verbalize those boundaries or expectations, and Holden wanted to goof off or bit, make stupid noises or otherwise just not play soccer when soccer was the thing that he should have been focusing on at the moment. The result was the teammates started calling him names and talking bad about him. Now, this was a learning experience that we were able to sit down and say, as you get older, these kids aren't going to put up with your shenanigans anymore. You need to start learning these appropriate social interactions. Uh, and so we can explain their expectations and their boundaries. We can show with these examples, when you break boundaries, there are negative social implications. I don't know if he fully understands this, but eventually it'll get through to him because you tend to just break those boundaries and break them and break them. And a friend that used to be a really good friend just drifts away and you never hear from them again. Now, when you're talking to your own left of normal child, make sure that you not only explain the boundaries, but also explain that why behind those boundaries. Help make it real for them. Help them to understand that not everyone is going to clearly define these things. And unfortunately, it really will just be a lot of trial and error. But recognize that once you cross the boundaries and they become irritated with you, make a mental note of that and then make sure to recognize when you're getting close to that boundary again. Sounds great on paper and easy in real life. It's a lot harder. And often what for many of those on the spectrum, it ends up just looking like less socialization. Uh, more spending time alone because it's much easier to deal with yourself than it is to deal with other people. For kids, that's not really a great idea. They need that playtime. They should be on the playground just running amok. They need to be spending time with friends in a regular free play scenario that helps develop their brains. So over the years, I've realized my boundaries, and I understand that my mind can only handle so much stimulation. That part of that's the spectrum stuff, and some of it's just being introverted. And what happens is I will say yes to an activity that I want to partake in. And then another opportunity pops up immediately after that one. In the past, I would jump from one thing to another, and life ended up getting very miserable, and it took me a long time to figure out why and what was going on, and I learned that my boundary is to say no to the second opportunity, even if it's something I really wanted to do, because I know it's going to wear me out too much, and it's going to put me into a negative mental health state. So generally, I will pol politely decline and then feel terrible about it, because I don't really have a quote-unquote good excuse. It's not like I have to go attend a funeral, so no, I can't go to the party with you type thing. I'm not 
actually going to do anything else. I mean, I am. I'm taking care of my mental health, but nobody cares about that. They don't see it that way. And so the issues that arise from this aren't really that bad feeling of turning someone down when they invite me to go do something. The issue comes up later because then eventually just not invited to do things anymore. You decline once or twice for and for whatever reason, the other person interprets that as Scott never wants to do anything, so why invite him at all? And then the invites stop. I don't know if that's a spectrum thing, an introvert thing, an extrovert not understanding the introvert thing, or where that falls into play. But for those normies out there, and those extroverts out there listening in, we all still want to be invited to go do fun things. You just know that much of the time, we will say no, because it won't be good for our mental health. Sure, we'll have fun while we're doing it, or at least pretend to be having fun, and a lot of times it is, but then it just wears us down so much that the recovery is not worth the event. And a lot of times we'll say no because I do have other plans. Those other plans might be to not have any other plans, and when you make plans on top of your original plan to not have any other plans, now you're making plans that's interrupting with the first plan. So introversion and socialization... And whether it's good for kids to play alone versus good for adults to play alone, all this topic for another time. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, please like, comment, subscribe, join the Facebook community, and feel free to ask any questions you have over there. Remember that most introverts have to have a recovery period, so when you invite them for event after event after event after event, we end up either saying yes and destroying our mental health, or we end up saying no and destroying the relationship, so really it's a lose-lose until people start respecting other people's boundaries. And of course, share this podcast with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.